Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Mustard Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined today by Sean Niehoff. Sean, uh, we've got uh, a lot to talk about. And let's start out with Colorado getting some more transfer additions today. Florida Atlantic playmaker LeJonte Wester joins the fold. And uh, we were talking before we hit record here, Sean, that, you know, we've almost gotten uh, spoiled with uh, college with Colorado recruiting out of the portal because uh, had this happened three, four years ago, this would have been monstrous news. And it's still big news, don't get me wrong, but uh, just another playmaker, another established guy joining the mix. Yeah, I, I think that, that you hit it right on the head. The the uh, the recruiting over the past two years has has spoiled everybody, I think. And, and uh, it, you know, we were just talking about even with the uh, with the Underwood announcement thing, it seemed like everybody was was trying to find a reason why he was going to pick Colorado, whereas in years past, um, just being in consideration, you know, would have been the win for for CU. So um, but yeah, with with Wester joining, it's I mean. That's that's another difference maker that joins a uh, you know an absolutely stacked wide receiver room, and figures to be the odds-on favorite uh, to be the featured returner on special teams based on upon what he's done. So um, that would be a huge get in in any previous cycle just standing alone. But um, you know Shadour targeted targeted him Wester before he even announced his portal entry um, on on Twitter or. X or whatever we're calling it these days. Um, and as somebody that you you know he really wanted in the black and gold. Um, so I think everybody really liked that room heading into the season before we even hit this this recruiting window. And and now you've added Shepard and Wester and Timmons and Cordell Russell um you know to a room that's already deep and talented. Um we've got you know Miller coming in from the high school ranks and nobody even knows yet where where cam michael's going to fit in um so that's another potential body in that room he could be on the defensive side of the ball probably a little small to fit in a running back but in looking at what dylan edwards has done um they could see a future for him there too but uh if you do put him in that room it's just ridiculously stacked yeah to build off your point there i think i'm putting lejonte wester in Penn as their their starting punt returner and um, yeah. they had a, another visitor on campus this past weekend that, that could potentially still commit and be their kickoff returner but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do now with Jim Horn Jr. Does he move out of the slot now that you bring LeJonte Western a guy that's established uh, himself as a top level slot guy or, or do you have them compete both at that spot do you rotate there um, it is kind of an embarrassment of riches at this point now at the receiver position, uh, Wester had 108 catches this past season, which was the most in the AAC. Uh, his 19.9 punt yard punt return average was eight yards better than any other punt returner in the ACC that returned more than two punts last year. Uh, he had 36 rushing attempts during his time at, at Florida Atlantic. So uh, a guy that you can utilize as a, as a running option as well out of the slot position. So uh, this is this is a big time get. You know, he's got 24 total touchdowns at the college level. I understand it's not necessarily at the power five level, but you know that ranks number one when you look at all the offensive players that are coming back uh, at receiver, running back, 
tight end in terms of the number of touchdowns scored. Uh, Will Shepard scored 21 in the SEC, so that might look a little bit more impressive just because of the, the level of competition. But between those two guys, you're talking about 45 touchdowns that they've scored at the college level. So uh, a really impressive. Uh, it, and it doesn't stop there. You, you mentioned Draylon Miller and Cam Michael. They're going to be joining the mix. You bring in Terrell Timmons Jr., who uh, is a deep threat. You bring in from NC State. Uh, Travarish Dawson is still on the roster. He had uh, some flashes this past season before injury sidelined him. And uh, Cordell Russell comes in, uh, a former blue chip recruit, uh, after redshirting at TCU. And then you can't forget about Omari Miller, uh, in what he did, uh, in stretches during his true freshman season. So again, an embarrassment of riches, even Jordan Anavu got hauled up by coach prime late in the season and praised for his work ethic. So, so many guys in the mix at that position, um, Anything to add there? I, I think it will work itself out, uh, but you're probably going to see a deeper rotation at receiver just to, you know, keep those guys happy because you you, you want to have that room engaged and you know not just you know focus on four guys because you you've got about eight to ten options now at that position. Yeah, absolutely. I you know, and you look at there there are a few question marks, but most everybody. Um, that they've brought in and, and the players in that room are, are solid. Um, and, and we'll talk a lot about that. I think, as we talk through some of the recruits that they were, that they brought in and what prime's recruiting strategy was going into this cycle. But unlike last year where they were just looking to infuse talent and a lot of that talent were guys that didn't necessarily get an opportunity where they were at previously um, and came in this year, the focus has really been on adding starting talent. So guys that that were starting um, at their prior school and bringing them in so you know what they're bringing to the table um, instead of wondering why they weren't playing or if they were just buried where they were at. And, and so you've got, you know, I think Cordell Russell comes in with with a little bit of baggage and some, some uh, indications that he maybe wasn't the most coachable um, coachable player uh you've got you know omar and miller who who while he flashed last year uh prime you know made it known that part of what was holding him back was just consistency and consistent effort and practices and so he showed up uh you know for for one game huge and, and showed up in some other spots but he also disappeared just as quickly uh, you know, but but now with the depth that you've got and the proven players both returning and and coming in, you know, through the through this cycle, um, I just I, I don't I think the the bigger question is going to be how are they utilized and how do they how do they figure out how to get everybody on the field and what roles and we still don't know that because we don't really know what the offense that, that they're going to run is going to be. And, and that's, that's a question on both sides of the ball that I'm sure we'll talk about as we get into this podcast. Wester was commit number 20 in terms of transfers coming into the program. Number 19, just a couple of days prior was DJ McKinney transferring in from Oklahoma state. He was a, a scout team star there while red churning in 2022 and then stepped into a big role in 2023, played the second most snaps among the Cowboys cornerbacks in 2023, only 44.9% uh, of the passes attempted at his receiver were completed. So that that's a, a really good rate that he had there. Uh, 
uh, graded out at 68.8 by Pro Football Focus. For comparison's sake, Sean, only Travis Hunter and Shiloh Sanders graded out better on Colorado's defense this past season. Uh, you also bring in Preston Hodge from Liberty, and, and there was some word that he, he would be competing at corner. He also got experience at nickel and safety. So uh, there's question marks in terms of how kind of this cornerback depth is going to shake out. you got a guy like Jacquez Robinson who played corner at times last year but could also play nickel or safety. Uh, does Adam Hopkins stay at cornerback long-term? Is Isaiah Harge still in the mix long-term at Colorado? Is Marion Cooper uh, going to have a redemption story in 2024? There, there's so many question marks there, but you look at bringing in DJ McKinney, a guy that's got three to play three, you can develop him, and you've already seen signs that he can compete at the Power 5 level. So uh, you're, you're kind of venturing into the territory of an embarrassment of riches at cornerback as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, you know, McKinney talking about him, that's another transfer that that fits that uh, that stated recruiting focus that we got from Prime this year of, of targeting starters in the portal. And he's another guy that started early. So he's he's got, uh, you know, he's got a lot of a lot of runway in front of him. He's he's still got three years to go. He's another another young player um, and made an early impact at a quality what's now P4, I guess, we can't talk about P5 anymore, uh, but a quality P4 school. So I'm not sure where he fits into the pecking order um, in the in a secondary that's become really deep and really talented. Um, and it features a lot of players, like you mentioned, with a lot of versatility. Um, so the, you know, the additions of McKinney and Hodge, they give Mathis some plug and play options. But you can't overlook, you know, the guys like the good Omari and Cooper that we saw last year. And, and you know, were his issues, um, you know, talent issues? Were they injury issues? We really don't know the, the full story on there. And then you've got both Travis Jay and Jacquez Robinson with a full year post-injury under their belts. So you look for, a, you know, there's a lot of talent there. You look for a big, you know, step up and return there. And then you've got the young guys. You've got... Cormani and you've got Stoutmeyer who were baptized by fire last season and that's only going to help in their their development as, as they grow and then you brought in you know some other talented freshmen that you know that really didn't see much time but that they give you some added depth and talent in Namir Robinson and Israel Solomon and Isaiah Harge so it's you know it, it's really become a, a deep group and that's not even really focusing on the you know just the the true returning safety and 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 nickel guys that they've got and who really knows what's going to happen um and where they see a guy like Trevor Woods you know fitting in does he move back full time into the, into the secondary um did they like you know moving him down uh into the box and taking advantage of his skills although he's a little light there but he's you know he's about the same size uh, coming down there as a Des Moines Kennedy. And, and so, you know, what do they do in those positions? But that that secondary now becomes, you know, probably your your second, uh, your second deepest and most talented position group on the team. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? 
Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. A side note, Dion Figures is set to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. He's one of 19 players in the 2024 class. He's going to be the 11th buff inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, the second Colorado defensive back to earn the honor, joining Dick Anderson. Uh, he And Dion Figures is already talking about how Chris Hudson needs yep. to be the, the, the next buff inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Obviously, Chris Hudson, uh, the Thorpe Award winner, a few years after Dion Figures won, won that prestigious award. Uh, I, people that have followed Colorado for a long time obviously know Dion Figures uh, helped clinch the, the national championship back in 1990. I mentioned that he was a Thorpe Award winner. When did you start following Colorado? I'd imagine Dion Figures was prior to your time following the Buffs. Yeah, yeah. I grew up you know, watching them from – that, so the time frame that he played was was right in the the time frame where I was a you know a senior in high school and and moving moving into college. But man, that's another one of my favorite players from like my playing days, um, such as they were. But you know, as you mentioned, Thorpe Award winner, national champion, consensus All American, um, first round draft pick, and you know, and I just you know I look back in my mind's eye and, and you know. You've got the guy playing cornerback with shoulder pads that are three feet wide and taller than the ear holes on his helmet um, in the era of, you know, cut jerseys and tucked up jerseys and everybody showing their midriff. And so you just kind of picture this guy that that was, was shaped like a, a triangle and making plays all over the field. So I think this one was long overdue. Uh, like like many of the other Buffalo's Hall of Famers, they, they have been. They kind of come – later than you would anticipate um but that uh you know that that uh he has three in the just the last three years right four years four years i guess um so you know i i the enduring image that i have of him is that the game ceiling interception and uh in the orange bowl for the national championship sliding down to the ground and giving himself up, man, that's just an iconic moment in Colorado football. And, um, and I think that's long overdue. And, and, you know, as soon as they announced that my, my first thought like his was next up is, is Chris Hudson. It's, it's, you know, he's, he's gotta be next on the list. So um, it's, it's a great honor, well-deserved. And, and I think long overdue. And now everybody's asking, okay, guys, you, you talked about all this stuff, but what about the staff? We, we get asked, uh, we see questions every day on, on the Buff Stampede message board. When is Coach Prime going to announce this staff? And, and we've heard that, uh, you know, this defensive coordinator hire is going to have some NFL pedigree. Maybe that has something to do with the timing. Obviously, uh, the NFL season just ended and there are st- you know, obviously teams gearing up for the playoffs. So uh, we're speculating on all that. Uh, at this point, all we know is officially is that Vincent Dancy is going to replace Nick Williams as the outside linebackers coach. 
getting promoted. Uh, after that move t- took place last month, Phil Lodeholt is going to be the new offensive line coach. So those are the only two moves that Coach Prime and his camp have confirmed so far. So we're waiting on the announcement of the defensive coordinator in, you would assume, safety's coach, unless they uh, change responsibilities on the defensive coaching staff. Uh, haven't got the official word on the tight ends coach. It does sound like that's probably going to be an in-house promotion uh, that, that's going to take that, but that hasn't been announced yet. And then still not 100% sure Pat Shermer is going to be the OC. It sounds like there could potentially still be a, an outside hire there, again, with NFL pedigree. Uh, if that doesn't take place, they're, they're definitely comfortable with Pat Shermer having that role. And, and obviously Shador Sanders has developed a great relationship with Pat Shermer. So as much as uh, that would make some fans question it, uh, you know, especially folks that were familiar with Pat Shermer when he was with the Broncos and that leaving a sour taste in their mouth, that's going to be maybe a little bit more criticized if they don't go to an outside hire there. But what are your thoughts on this? It, you know, we're we're on Coach Prime's you know, timeline here, and, and I don't expect – the news to get leaked until he wants it to, unless it comes from maybe from a national folk. I've, I've mentioned this, you know, folks that are locally here, they, they respect coach prime. If he doesn't want it out there, we're probably not going to break the news. Um, and the people that are closest to him and the only few people that probably know what's happening with OC and DC and in those searches, uh, they respect coach prime. So they're not going to be doing a whole lot of talking. So it's been pretty tight lipped. Uh, but the longer this goes on, you know, the more and more people are are anxious and and want to find out what the staff is going to look like uh, from top to bottom in 2024. Yeah, um, you know, man, I don't know. It's like you said, he keeps things so close to the vest. Um, we don't know who, you know, we don't even really know who's in play. There's there's been rumors on, you know, about guys that are in play, but most of that is is message board and and social media speculation, just trying to put, you know, pieces together on who he's got some, some background and some history with. Um, But you look back to the two initial hires last year at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, and those really came out of the blue and were widely considered to be poles that were punching above CU's weight. And at the time we didn't really know what kind of influence, you know, prime was going to have and being able to bring in, a staff um and and so maybe even punching above what what his weight was the expectation at that time so you know we haven't heard any names beyond Shermer at this point um and you know even with all the offensive additions this this offseason it's you know I, I'm not sure that Colorado has the personnel to be elite in a more traditional pro pro style Shermer offense so it'll be, you know, it'll be curious to see kind of what they put together, what he, if he runs it, what he melds between what they were doing last year and 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 what he's done in the past. Um, you know, so we're waiting on some sort of an announcement, clarification, just like everybody else on that side. And that naturally segues us right into the Buff Stampede Radio mailbag because JT Mitchell 83 asked, well, actually he just posted Jim Leonard dot 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 and uh that's a good start to the mailbag segment here because uh there has been some buzz with Jim Leonard but what created this buzz was a fake burner account on X slash Twitter again like you I don't know what to call it these days and then I think there was a, a mistake by a CU, CU staffer that was maybe searching for his name and it went out there as a tweet before it got deleted so uh I 
color me skeptical on that and a little bit apprehensive to, to buy into that buzz. Uh, if it's true, though, I mean, I will gladly doubt at Macintosh burner <laughs> and, and crow <laughs> if that's the pick, because that, that would be a home run higher. Uh, but I, I don't know. I trust Carl Reed's reporting more, obviously. Uh, this is somebody that's really close. He's a colleague on 24-7 Sports. He's really close to, to Coach Prime. And um, he mentioned that, uh, you know, there's going to be NFL pedigree there. Now, Jim Leonard played in the NFL for a long time, but he isn't coaching the NFL. Would that qualify for something that would fall in line with Carl Reed's tweet? I don't know. Uh, th- that would maybe seem like a, a little bit of a stretch in, unless, again, he was referring to his playing days. Uh, but, I mean, if they can hire Leonard, uh, you do it yesterday, in my opinion. Right. No, absolutely. Um it's, you know, defensively, it's it's that same type of tight-lipped scenario, um, and, you know, with a lot of names that are out there. But again, I, I don't know that there's really anything behind those names other than speculation. You've got, <clears throat> you know, Mike Zimmer's brought, been brought up, um, who has connections, Ken Norton Jr., Lovey Smith, Jim Leonard. It's all, you know, social media and message board uh, speculation at this point. And there has been no slip from inside the, the champion center that even hints at who he might be looking at and targeting. And, and like you said, the only thing that we got was from Carl Reed's, you know, talking about the NFL pedigree um, from that list. I mean, Leonard would be a home run. I personally, you know, really like Norton, but my guess is that if there was any legitimate smoke with any of those names that have been brought up, we would have heard something, I mean, anything by now, because none of those are are hires that that we necessarily that you would necessarily be waiting on for a season to wrap up for for something to to happen. Um, and I think that you know you would have wanted that person in the building by now, both from a recruiting and a scheme planning standpoint, uh, if they were available to come in. So my guess is the hire is going to be someone that hasn't even registered with all the people making guesses to this point. Um, and given his track record, you have to think it'll be somebody that does bring some excitement. So I think we're just like everybody else and waiting for, uh, you know, some of those lips to loosen up or for prime to, to get back in the, the swing of, uh, of his public engagement and, uh, you know, and let somebody know, and, and more than likely, it's not going to be a story that's broken by you or by Carl Reed or by anybody else. You know, based on the way he's done things, it's going to be some announcement that comes out on on some national program where he's sitting there for an interview and, and lets everybody know who's he, who he's identified. Just to, to close out on Leonard, uh, you look at the defenses that he had at Wisconsin, and they were all pretty, pretty solid. Uh, they ranked 28th nationally in points allowed per game in 2022, sixth in 2021, ninth in 2020, 10th in 2019. Not as good in 2018 where they when they ranked 43rd, but uh, they ranked third in 2017. Colorado hasn't had a defense that ranks higher than 70th nationally in scoring defense since 2016. So uh, he was a finalist for the Broyles Award in 2017. It would fall in line with Uncle Neely's tweet that uh, this hire is going to rock the world. Uh, it would fall in line with Carl Reed's three mind-blown emojis that he put out there <laughs> regarding this hire. But, uh, again, it wouldn't quite fall in line with the NFL coaching pedigree that I, I, maybe I was reading too much into that with Carl Reed. Well, I guess time will tell. But uh, Jim Leonard, he was uh, 
a senior analyst at Illinois. So he's he's going to be moving somewhere, uh, you would think, as a defensive coordinator, if not a head coach. I mean, he was going to be the head coach at Wisconsin had it not been for Luke Fickle deciding to leave Cincinnati. Uh, and, and Fickle had just a few years prior to that turned Michigan State down for their head coaching job. And we're all familiar with what happened from there. And that led to Mel Tucker's departure from Boulder. But um, this is a, you know, a, a future head coach, uh, probably a defensive coordinator at the very least in 2024. So um, I don't want to add too much fuel to that because again, I just don't really trust the reporting that's out there on him being a candidate right now, but uh, it, it would be certainly exciting. And, and again, it would uh, uh, shock the college football world if he did uh, take the gig. Um, that transition transitions us into Buff Bosco, who asked us who we want to be the new OC in DC. Uh, do you have any thoughts there? I think you mentioned Ken Norton. That would be your pick for DC. Well, I mean, I like him. I mean, Leonard. If Leonard was really was really available, I like him. Out of the other names, I, I like. I don't dislike any of them, but I like Norton. Um, I, I think that he, you know, I think he brings a lot to the table with him. Um, but you know, I'm pretty convinced that we have we haven't even heard the name that, that is going to fill that spot. So who do I want to be? It I don't know because I don't really know who's who's in play. Um, so I I I do think that if any of the names that were out there, like I mentioned, if they were in play, I think we're at a point now where we would have heard something. Uh, there would have been some movement on it. Um, and and at this point, we you know we haven't heard anything. So it leads me to think that it's possibly somebody who, you know, who maybe from the NFL side just wrapped up their season or, or maybe is still, still continuing their season on the playoff run. So you're not really going to hear anything for a little while, but uh, I don't know. Your, your guess is as good as mine on any of that. Yeah. I think Jim Leonard's the the home run hire. If, if you could pull that off with some of the other rumor names, you mentioned Mike Zimmer, Ken Norton Jr., Levy Smith. I mean, there, there's cases to be made for all of them, but then question marks as well with, with yeah. those three guys. Um, Ed Reed's been thrown out there a lot. I would have more concern with that hire just from the lack of experience being a defensive coordinator. Um, but you know, maybe Lovey Smith would be my next option given his more recent history in college football. I know Ken Norton's been in college the last couple of years, but that's hasn't been as a coordinator. That's been as the the linebackers coach there at UCLA. So uh, I w- all those guys would be good hires, in my opinion, but Leonard being the, the home run out of the mix. But to your point, maybe it's a guy w- that's going to be out of left field. Uh, in terms of OC, Sean, I'm still holding out hope for Byron Leftwich. There was a lot of buzz about him taking the job when they moved the when they moved Pat Shermer to play caller duties and uh, on some level demoted Sean Lewis's past year. Uh, now, Byron Leftwich has been a defensive coordinator in the NFL at, at two different places. And uh, maybe it's a situation where he's going to wait to see if there is an opportunity to, to be a coordinator um, in the NFL this coming season as we're you know going into silly season with coaching for NFL. Uh, but, you know, if he doesn't get that job he wants there and it's not a slam dunk, you know, he doesn't have the experience as an OC in college, but um, he's been by Boulder a few times. He's got that relationship with coach prime um, and, and that relationship with Shadur Sanders as well. So um, I would assume if you could bring in Byron Leftwich, that you'd still have Pat Shermer on staff. What would you think about that? 
I, you know, I think I would like that better than than just the the you know sliding Shermer down. But I think either way, what what I would really like to see ideally is is backfilling the the, the staff. Even if you even if you give Shermer the make him the full time OC, backfilling kind of the analyst role that he played last year with somebody out of the college ranks. Um, I, I just don't feel like, and I, and I mentioned it earlier, but I don't feel like the this roster is built and developed and has enough um, enough talent and depth on the lines, even with what they brought in, to really run a true pro style offense that's going to be really run heavy. I think there's a desire to kind of get into some of that um, for a variety of reasons. I think you know, I think that that the it takes a lot of stress off the defense if you're able to control the clock if you um are not as uh don't have as sped up of an offense uh so so that's going to help some of the challenges that that the buffs had this year um i i think that that there is a desire from a personal standpoint to to make sure that Shadur is is as NFL ready as he can be, which which means putting him in an offense and and running the the sort of scheme that he's that he's going to be asked to run at the next level. So I think those are some you know some reasons to to make you think that there's going to be whether it's 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 uh, Shermer or somebody else that there's going to be more NFL pedigree there. Uh, I personally would like to see somebody involved that that does come out of the college game and where you can mix some of the the more wide open spread sets, the um, you know a, a little bit of the the kind of hurry up tempo type offense that we had last year and, and meld that with whatever they do. But I, I you know I have no clue at this point. I'm I'm counting on Shermer being heavily involved no matter what his role is and and. Um, just kind of taking a wait and see approach on everything else. Davis Buff asked, while we wait for the coaching announcement, what is your way too early, too deep for the offensive line and defensive front seven? And along those lines, Valm42 asked, based on who is on the team right now, give me your early guess at the starting five offensive linemen for the spring game. I'll let you lead off here, Sean, who you have as your starting five for the spring game. We'll start there and then we'll, we'll fill in the depth behind that. So I'm going to go with, um, and this is assuming assuming health, but I would go with right now, uh, front five of David Connor, Tyler Johnson, Hank at center. Um, I, I just kind of feel like Yakiri Walker doesn't really have the size. Um, unless something surprises us is, you know, when, when he comes in and, and gets into the system and then on the, the other side, Khalil Benson and Savion Washington. And and I think Jordan Seaton's going to get a lot of reps and is going to get game reps, even if he's not the guy and eventually step into one of those tackle spots. But I think it's just tough to, to go out there from, uh, you know, from day one, uh, with, with a true freshman, even of his caliber, and Tyler Brown's going to be in the mix on the interior, but uh, you know he's uh, he's had a year away from from playing, and I think that's going to put him a bit behind the you know those high level uh, guards that they brought in with Johnson and Benson. So 
I, I think that's kind of my my front five and maybe digging a little bit into to some of that too deep that, that we talked about. Mine's pretty similar to yours. I had jotted down Khalil Benson for sure on the O-line, Justin Mayers as an as a, as a guard. And then I was kind of torn between Seton and Savion Washington. I'm going to go with Jordan Seton just to try to get him as many reps with that first group as you can this this spring um, and really trial by fire with him at left tackle. Um, but certainly wouldn't surprise me if it's Savion Washington in that group as well. Was kind of torn between Tyler Johnson and Tyler Brown. Maybe at this point I would go with with Johnson. And I agreed with you, Zelinskis at center uh, with Yukiri Walker probably being the, the backup there for now. Um, in terms of depth, you mentioned David Connor. I feel like him and Philip Houston are going to kind of battle for that, maybe that fourth spot on the depth chart unless they decide to bring in another guy there. Um, yeah, I, I, as much as this group has been upgraded, you still wouldn't mind seeing another guy added there just for for assurance purposes in terms of making sure that you've got quality depth at, at all spots. Uh, but maybe your Curry Walker is the guy that's going to surprise us all. You know, I think that he, him being undersized is why a lot of us have kind of written uh, not written him off, but maybe don't expect a whole lot out of him. But, you know, this is a guy with starting experience. Uh, so it's it's hard to say at this point. If you put a gun in my head, I'm going to go Jordan Seaton, left tackle, Justin Mayer's left guard, Tyler Johnson, right guard, Hank Solitzka's center, and then, yeah, give me Khalil Benson at right tackle. But um, yeah, it's good that that's a discussion, though, right? Because I think last year – what what turned out the fact is uh, guys were starting that should have been uh, third or fourth on the depth chart. Now you're talking about having three or four starting options that are competing for those spots. So they've definitely upgraded that group quite a bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, I would like, like you said, I, I would like to see them bring in another true tackle. And I, and I honestly would like to see them bring in another, another center. Um, even if it's even if it's a guy who hasn't played um, a lot, just because that's you know that's a position that there's been a lot of talk about taking this this newfound uh, depth that we've got at the interior offensive line and cross training to a center, but you know that's I don't think that's really feasible unless it's somebody who has played that position in the past and. Um, you know, look at the issues Alabama had at center in the in the semifinal game against Michigan. That likely cost them an opportunity at another championship. And and you know, he was the best they had as a true center. So I I think that that that's that's one spot. Um, you've got the you know the walk on that's also coming out of out of IMG right that. That is a center, but I really think you need another body there and another body out on the edge. Um, I do like Benson because he gives you the ability. He's, you know, he's played tackle. He's, he's played guard. So he gives you the ability to kind of cross train a little bit. I'm, I'm really high on David Connor. Um, I, I like what I've seen of him in the past. He, you know, the issue you've got with him is he's, he's also like, uh, like Tyler Brown is, is he's a full year away from, from football and and really doing anything meaningful, but but he looked really good ahead of uh, ahead of his injury last year. Although it was you know it was just off season work, and, and he looked really good at Florida. So um, 
you know, and I think Kareem Harden and, and Isaiah Judd are going to figure into that mix at some, the depth mix at some place. Um, and I would be, you know, I'd be surprised to see their wheelchair Bailey in the mix at all, unless Lodeholt can, can work some sort of magical transformation with them. Um, and if, you know, with, with the ability to, to transfer a second time now, I wouldn't be surprised as we kind of get into spring and some of that, uh, some of that too deep starts to shake out to see those be be guys that that go into the portal uh and look for a better fit and you know and then that that kind of opens up you know some additional spots to to see who else is leaving in spring and possibly bring in some some more quality depth yeah just going back to david connor i'm glad you pointed him out because he's one of the true wild card guys on this roster because you you see him walking around in street clothes and in He's one of those all bus guys, you know, yeah. with him and Jordan Seaton, if you had both those guys out there, uh, you're going to have some edge guys shaking in their boots because they're uh, two of the more physically impressive offensive tackles that I've seen in Colorado's program in a long time. If he does prove that he's ready to to battle for playing time in this roster, then my question marks about that, that offensive tackle position are, are really minimized. I mean, if Phil Houston is a legit candidate to battle in there as well. I mean, you, you probably have five starting caliber guys at tackle. So he could be a, a real key guy if he proves that he's ready to go coming off that, that hand injury that he had that sideline last year. Um, what about defensive front seven? Yeah, it's, it's really hard for me at this point to, to go beyond, you know, really the frontline guys there because there's two big questions still hanging out there and that's one is who's going to be that defense coordinator and what defensive scheme are they going to run um and then the second is the status of shane cokes i I think it looks like he's going to stay there hasn't been any any formal announcement yet um so you know if he stays i think he's in the mix along with mcneil to start alongside um chidozi nwanko you know because i i think he's we'll just call him chidozi I think he's a lock um, just based on his performance and what he's done there. And and you've got some more body types with McNeil and, and Cokes. So, um, so I think they're kind of looking at that, that, that spot alongside them, but you've got, you know, three good guys in the mix for the, those two spots. Um, and Quinn Barnes is a bit of an outlier um, in terms of the recruiting strategy this year because he he's one of those guys that that they brought in like they brought in last year. All kinds of physical tools, a lot of promise comes from a blue blue blood program, but he hasn't seen the field in three years. So, um, you know, if if he hasn't gotten on the field, what is it that's that's kind of kept him behind? But those are the chances you're willing and often have to take on the interior because. Next to elite quarterbacks, I think the uh, you know the the interior defensive line is the hardest position to recruit to. Um, you just don't have a lot of quality bodies, a lot of quality size that you need, and and what is available is is sitting on on blue blood rosters. So um, you know I would go ahead and, and pencil in Samuel Okunlola at one edge um, and DJ Lundy at one linebacker spot, and then the remaining spots are kind of wide open. And it comes down to, you know, to what the defensive scheme is going to look like, um, you know, which we still don't really know. Um, the, 
you know, that defensive end, outside linebacker, edge spot, there's a ton of talent and depth on the roster that I like. I really like Arden Walker. Um, I think Taj McCoy is going to be a stud um, as he continues to, to physically mature and, and develop. And then that trio of, of uh, Kari Manns, Dee Harris, and then you're looking at a healthy, you know, Joshka Gustav. Um, that gives you a lot of capable bodies to fill those, you know, those two spots on the edges. So um, linebacker still needs an infusion. Um, I, you know, I, I love Lundy. Um, Bentley proved to be serviceable, but was pretty stiff. And, and I'm not sure he showed great instincts last season. So he's got one last run. We'll see how that plays out and whether he's the type of linebacker that, you know, fits with, you know, side by side with the Lundy. Or if he, you know, pencils in as as Lundy's backup, um, and then we'll have to see how Demoy Kennedy looks with another full calendar year uh, in his recovery progress, progression. Um, Jeremiah Brown's going to be back on there, and you know, so he's he's just a serviceable guy. Uh, we don't know yet about Gant's waiver, and and he also, you know, we don't know how he's going to look once he's had some some full time to recover. And, and then we have to wait and see how last year's three freshmen develop. So I, I think there's that's that's one of those spots that's really kind of at the top of my list is to try to find another inside linebacker in the portal between now and spring. Yeah, good stuff there. Uh, one guy to point out in this front seven that I think is going to be a real valuable weapon when they are in pass rush situations is Pitt transfer Samuel Okunlola. He played less than 300 snaps for Pittsburgh last year, but tied for the team lead in sacks. So he's a he's a plug-and-play pass rusher from day one. Um, and in terms of the defensive line, yeah, I think Shane Cokes, Chidozi, Nwanku, and Amari McNeil are kind of your top guys, but I don't know if those three guys are necessarily going to all start together because um, you got – you know, Chidozi, that's more of an interior guy, and Amari as well. And Coke's going to kind of play a lot of different techniques up front. But maybe you you have a guy like Quincy Wiggins comes in and kind of plays the role that DJ McClendon played last year where um, he, he plays on the end of the line and, and could have a big impact. Um, Bishop Thomas, who knows? You know, we see at the end of the documentary that he was suspended for um, – you know, not taking his academics as seriously as he needed to this past season, but he certainly got a high ceiling. And, and I'm not writing off these true freshmen coming in because they're going to be early enrollees, Brandon Davis, Wayne, and Eric Brantley Jr. Although they're not the the longest guys coming in, uh, two of the more productive defense alignment in, in the high school ranks nationally this past year. And, and it wouldn't shock me if either of both of those guys, um, especially if some injuries happen up front, get part of that rotation on the defense line this coming season. Uh, and, and Keaton Wade is another intriguing guy coming in from Kentucky on the edge, a guy that we're not talking a whole lot about that uh, could p- potentially prove to be a little bit more solid than some of those returning guys that, you know, maybe right. had an up and down season this past year. D.B. Harris and Kyrie Manns had their moments, but they also had some lapses in there. So uh, it's really tough to predict uh, right now on that front seven. I mean, D.G. Lundy, you would assume, is going to be uh, one of the linebackers out on the field the uh, the most snaps this coming season. I don't know. Can you play D.J. Lundy and Vonta Bentley a bulk of the snaps together at linebacker, giving up right. something in pass protection? That, that that would be a concern, maybe. Yeah, that's that's a big question I have with, you know, which is why, you know, I think 
I think those two may be slot at one spot, but you know, it's again, it's hard to tell what this defense is going to look like. Um, are we are we going to roll with a similar defense to last year? Is somebody going to come in, whoever they identify, and, and make some tweaks and changes to it? And are we going to have a different you know a different scheme, a, a different front look? Um, you know, I, I as much as as much as we we talk about those three guys on the interior defensive line, and I forgot about uh, uh, Wiggins. You know, I, I didn't even have him on there. I kind of spaced that ad. So you've got Wiggins coming in there. But, you know, we've – what I think we don't have, unless you're able to use Cokes in that role, is somebody who's that true, um, you know, almost NFL-style defensive end who, who's a run-stuffer. Um, and, and really more of a true defensive lineman type. It seems like we've got a lot of those edge outside linebacker um, body types. And, and so I'm hopeful that, that we'll get more production than we had last year in terms of pass rush. And I think that uh, Oak and Lowell is definitely going to add to that. And, and there's a lot of young talent, but uh, we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to do a lot of these these answer a lot of these questions that are out there at this point in time, because I think so much of it hinges on both sides of the ball, how people are utilized with, with what we're really looking at in terms of a scheme and, and, and who they're going to bring in to coordinate those, uh, you know, both the offense and defense. So it's, everything is a big question mark, which doesn't give any of the, (laughs) any of the, the readers of the posters, a lot of, a lot of answers, but uh, you know, I think we're, we're a little bit, left you know as curious as they are as to how things are going to shake out well the best part of it is we just keep listing off all these names right and you're not going to bat a thousand when you're bringing in transfers but i think they're going to have a better batting average with the transfers that they brought in this year than they did last year just because again you mentioned it earlier sean there has been more of an emphasis on we're going to bring in guys not all of them not all these guys have starting experience but the vast majority of them do. And so when you have that starting experience and you're going up against guys that were in the program last year, you got so much more competition across the board this year than you did last year. No, absolutely. And and so I think that's, you know, last, last year was a big wait and see in terms of the players. You know, what did we really get? Why did these guys not have more of an impact or get more time uh, where they're coming from? And, you know, I think that last year, there were, you took some chances and you took some swings on players with injury um, because you knew that there was talent behind the injury. And so while they may not pay off for you immediately, you were, you were kind of building that overall roster talent, that depth. Um, And so this year we'll see with, with some of those guys, um, how that, you know, how they shake out the, we, we mentioned, you know, uh, Robinson and Travis J earlier, um, Demoye Kennedy. And if, Brendan Gant is able to come back. A lot of these guys that came in, um, and, and David Connor on the offensive line, these guys that weren't able to to really play last year, what do they bring when they're fully healthy and, and have a full offseason spring ball, um, you know, to kind of go through and get themselves ready. So it's, I, I do like where we're at, um, you know, where CU is at from a, a, a talent perspective and, and, serviceable bodies we just have to see how it all fits together and um you know the one of the guys that i'm going to be looking at 
um, most closely just because he's another guy that does have the question marks like we talked about is Anquin Barnes is, is can um, you know can Sal turn him into somebody that's even serviceable and just a you know a, a space eater up front because he's got that you know he's got the body type he's got the size to be able to do that to be able to to kind of anchor down the the middle of the line and chew up bodies that let your linebackers play. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to to just seeing how he develops. And I think he's a good flyer to take in a, in a position where there's not a lot of quality players to be able to land. And that leads us into a question by Andrea1552. Have we added enough talent slash depth on the offensive and defensive lines to be com- become a legitimate bowl team in 2024. How would you rate the progress this year versus other years? Are the players we are bringing in going to finally change the narrative on the line play? We kind of started talking a little bit about this, Sean. I mean, in terms of he's setting the bar at a legitimate bowl team and and to that, that's an easy answer. Absolutely. I mean, they were pretty close to being a bowl team last year. Do they not blow a 29 point lead to Stanford? Do they find a way to get another win and get six wins in 2023? They weren't that far off with arguably the worst offensive line play in the country. So now you bring in all these offensive linemen that have starting experience and you've got uh, increased competition at so many different spots. Um, To me, and I don't know if if this is a a biased answer being on the CU beat and, and being a little blinded because I'm not following what every other team in the country is doing and just focusing solely on CU with tunnel vision. But um, I'm putting the floor at, at, at a bowl game in 2024. That's kind of where my mindset is. I think they, they get, to, they get six wins. Now the question is, can they go up from there? And and if so, how much that's more where my question is, I, I really do think that they have unquestionably a, a bowl roster right now. No, I agree. Um, you know, and I, to the other part of the question, I think the line play is going to be significantly better this year. Um, just based on that added talent, um, that they brought in. And so, uh, in the, you know, the offensive line, it will be much better. I think the defensive line added some nice pieces and replaced what they had to. And I think maybe even, you know, improved in some areas. Um, but, but I'm, I'm right there with you. I think last year, uh, as bad as the offensive line was and as bad as the defense ranked statistically, I don't think it was the line play and a, you know, a talent issue that kept that kept CU from being a bowl team. I think it was uh, more of the um, culture and the, the belief and kind of once uh, once things started slipping away, not really having the ability internally um, you know, inside the locker room to to be able to to stop that and and to turn things around. So, um, and that's critical. And so that's going to be a big you know a big question mark this year too. You've got those guys that that did play that that year together. Now you're adding some new pieces and and a lot of new pieces that you're going to have to integrate because you're counting on them. Um, so how quickly can they bring that all together? Um, what what sort of uh, you know. To, to use Prime's, you know, kind of word, his mantra for, for last season, belief, um, are those guys going to have? And you can, can you get everybody pulling in the same direction? And I think that's a bigger key than, than what we've got. We know that the I think the line play is going to be much better um, on that, but it's how does everything else come together? And, and again, what, you know, 
what are we running? What kind of offense are we running? What kind of defense are we running? Those, those are the the biggest the biggest questions that I've got. Um, I think the pieces are there to plug in, um, but what are you plugging them into, and and how do you bring, you know, another twenty five to thirty by the time we're done with this, and maybe even forty. Um, the, you know, depending on what happens in the spring, how do you bring that those new bodies and integrate them and and get everybody on the same page? Scobuffs eighty asked if you had to rank needs in the spring portal time frame, what positions will they address? Uh, again, maybe a little bit premature because this window is not. I mean, you can't enter the portal unless you're a graduate at this point, or unless you played for Michigan or Washington. But you still have some guys that are out there that are getting recruited. Um, and I don't know the, the position that comes to mind first, Sean, of being a question mark in terms of the spring portal time is running back. Uh, is Savion Wilkerson really done? Uh, he walked on graduation. It looks right. like he's, he's selling insurance now. Um, it sounds like he's not going to be back, although nothing official has come out there. So then you got to look at, okay, how does Alton McCaskill look this spring? Does he look like your lead back? Is Michael Welch going to be a, a depth piece from day one? We already know what Dylan Edwards can do when he's utilized properly. Uh, it feels like if Wilkerson is done, you probably need another body there, right? Where, where, where do you look at the needs as you kind of project, again, not having a 2020 vision in terms of what this team is going to look like coming out of spring ball? Yeah, I kind of agree um, with that. I I'm not as worried about the running back spot. I mean, obviously, if uh, I think that's one of those things you almost need to wait till spring to see how things shake out and how does Alton McCaskill look um, in spring and and is he at you know is he to the point where you you need him to be and that kind of colors some of your your direction there. Um, you know, one of the guys that we mentioned way back at the beginning of the podcast may have a role in the backfield. We just don't really know yet. And that's, that's Cam Michael. Um, and you know, he's, he's slight and, but, but he's, he's a pretty electric electric guy. He's got, you know, he's, he's very athletic and I think he can play a lot of, a lot of spots. Um, but you're looking at, you know, again, he's a, he's a spot duty guy that you need to scheme around kind of like Dylan Edwards. He's in the right way if that's where he lands. So, I do think that they probably need to have their eyes open for another running back. I I personally would put my number one target um, that they need to bring in between now and the end of spring or or the, the summer period at a, another linebacker. I think they really need to try to identify another linebacker um, as my one spot. And then, um, like we said, I would still like to see them add more if if some some quality becomes available. Um, at the offensive line, primarily on one of the edges on the offensive line uh, and the interior defensive line. Yeah, I, I had linebacker and tight end as 1A, 1B. I think you got to bring in another body at, at tight end just <laughs> simply for – and not just to make him a depth piece, but to add to competition there. Um, and in case something happens to, to Medai or you've got another option there, um, I, I don't know if you can count on Luis Passerell for that. I know he was a good – story last spring, but we just have not seen him out there on game day for the buffs. Um, it, it, and it's a lot of pending spring ball results, you know, offensive tackle, because we talked about if David Connor is legit, you probably don't need an extra offensive tackle. 
Uh, maybe you needed an extra defensive tackle. I know they were growing after Chris McClendon, who ended up at Missouri. Um, Coach Primes tweeted out that they want to add another body there. So, um, and then possibly running back. But I mean, by and large, you feel okay with this feeling, this team, if yeah. you had to tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they've done a good job up to this, this point. There's, and you know, we're, we're so micro focused on, uh, you know, on the depth chart in the roster for, for CU. But um, as I started kind of going through and looking at, you know, there's, there's some talent that's still out in the portal now, like you mentioned, they, they entered for this, this window and, and that, that, where there may be some options, but as you start looking at that and looking what other teams have lost and, and, and what they brought in, I think it's a pretty common refrain um, amongst anybody who's maybe not, you know, one of those, those top five to, to seven blue blood programs that are, that are pretty loaded. There's holes everywhere. So, um, and I, and I like what they've done plugging a lot of the holes. So there, there's still a couple of, of, spots they could add some depth to but i feel comfortable you know at least going into the spring with what they've got right now and and then we'll kind of see how some of it shakes out and and you know unfortunately you're going to lose you're going to lose some players hopefully they're they're it's it's good attrition um into the portal out of the spring and you cross your fingers that you don't have any injuries because i still do think that that's one of the areas that um you know, where there's some question marks is, is in some of the depth uh, on this team. You've got a couple of spots, the wide receiver room, the defensive backs, where I think you're pretty loaded with, with depth. But, um, you know, I, I think once you, you lose one or two bodies in some of the other spots, you, all of a sudden you, you know, you're really exposed. You mentioned attrition, and that leads us into a question by OMG, you're dumb. He asked, as Stewart at CU at the game noted, it's surprising CU has only lost 11 players to the portal. How many CU players do you expect to see hitting the portal after spring practices, and what position groups do you see having the most attrition? And along those lines, T. Chala93 proposed an over-under of 10.5 current buffs hitting the portal before the start of the 2024 season. Um, so, Sean, that number to me is actually eight scholarship players that have hit the portal because I'm not counting Owen Carey, who was not on the roster this past fall. I'm right. not counting Caleb Fourier, who didn't finish the team. He quit uh, midway through. And I'm not counting Michael Harrison as good as he was last year. He was a walk-on. So uh, we're going to be talking, you know, eight scholarship players that have left the roster. That. That is a little bit less than I expected. Uh, now, Coach Prime has now brought in a lot of these players, so it's not going to be like it was, obviously, his first right. winter at the helm. Uh, I don't know. I guess I would have probably guessed more like a, a dozen would have left as opposed to eight. So uh, maybe a little bit lower than I would have thought. No, I agree. I, I thought that, you know, and I'm surprised, you know, at this point at some of the names that we haven't heard um, entering the portal. I really thought that, you know, guys like Bailey and Wilty were going to be a couple of the the first guys out, especially with the, you know, with the staff changes, with the challenges that they had and the fact that, um, you know, Prime, he he didn't, uh, he didn't mince words in, in last season and, and really kind of, you know, laid into to that group and said that that was an area that he was going to focus on, uh, you know, with top priority going into the offseason. So, 
Um, I'm more surprised at some of the names I haven't haven't entered, um, but not at the numbers. I think the the numbers are pretty reasonable. Um, going to the other part of the question, um, you, you know, I think there's I think you're looking at probably another about as many as of what now, maybe another eight. Um, I, I would put the under at, you know, I would go put, I would take the under on the ten and a half number. Maybe, except that, you know, I, I think that some of that's going to come into what else becomes available in the portal between now and through the spring, um, because there may be some some additional ads that just from a numbers basis end up kind of forcing some some players to the portal. So um, but but as things stand today, that's that's kind of where I sit. I like it. I had jotted down nine. So we're about the same thinking in terms of uh, taking the under there, but but only slightly under. Uh, I went down the eligibility chart, Sean. I counted 14 players that if I got alert that they had hit the portal, it would not surprise me at all. Now, are yeah. all 14 of those guys going to hit the portal after the spring? Probably not. So that's where I kind of came in at that nine number. Um, in some of that comes down to the fact of, are there some guys that are willing to take on a special teams role because you do need guys that are going to fill in those spots. And uh, if you can have scholarship guys filling in some of those special teams roles, that, that adds a boost to those units, but you know, guys want to play and they want to have a chance to start at their position. So uh, there is definitely going to be, I would think at least seven guys yeah. that, that hit the portal after the spring. Beats by Dr. Doom asked, do you think Trevor Woods moves back to safety or will he stay at linebacker next season? And to follow up that, Philly Buff asked, who do you think starts opposite Shiloh this fall? And then he asked, question mark, Trevor Woods. Uh, so let's start with Trevor Woods. I, he clearly graded out better and played better at safety than he did at linebacker last season. So uh, I hope to see him back at safety, uh, but we have not had a chance to talk to Andre Hart or, you know, uh, Coach Prime, and we don't know who the safeties coach is going to be at this point. Uh, so uh, we don't have clarity as far as that goes. I sure hope to see him at safety, though. Yeah, no, I agree. I would like to see him move back. It's, you know, the question is, is where does where does he fit best in, in the new scheme? I think, you know, I think his move down into the linebacker role last year was, was a bit of uh, – you know, I think they felt like he was mentally capable. You know, they knew he was a little undersized, um, but uh, you know, it was more uh, a testament to his to his mental acuity and and his his smarts as a football player, and and just the fact that they you know they needed bodies. They needed somebody that they could put in there that they could count on doing the right thing. Um, even if he wasn't the, you know, the stoutest body. So some of that's going to come into, you know, really seeing how that, that linebacker position, that group shakes out. And what does that, you know, what does that group look like? Um, I would have to think just based on talent that whoever they bring in to run the defense still runs something similar, you know, at least in terms of structure to what we had last year and, and is, is going to be, you know, where you've got the extra safety on the field instead of an extra linebacker, just because that's where the talent on this team is. Um, but, you know, that that remains to be seen. It 
it, it could all all shift and, and shake up. But I would like to see him back at safety. And and I think based on the roster that we have right now, um, you know, it's he, he's potentially the starter next to next to Shiloh. But um, with as many bodies as they brought in, and especially the the you know this this latest addition this week of, of DJ McKinney, um, I think that maybe puts you know somebody like uh, Cameron Selman Craig or uh, you know Preston Hodge to be um, more capable of being the other safety um, in the back if they need to to use Woods in a different role. So. Um, I don't know. I don't, again, I feel like I'm answering every question with with more questions. But well, yeah, that's that's what what you do when it's uh, January 9th and you're getting questions about uh, things prior to spring ball. But yeah, I think at this point, Shiloh and Trevor Woods would be my guess. As I next in line would probably be Cam Selman Craig because, like like you said, I mean, you got guys like Miles Slusher, Jaden Milliner, Jones, even Preston Hodge that could play nickel. So you got a lot of options. Nickel. I know Cam Silman Craig is a playmaker out of that nickel role, so it uh, wouldn't surprise me to see him, Shiloh, and Trevor be the, the, the main guys out there uh, again in 2024. But you've got some interchangeable pieces there that uh, gives you the ability, and, and that helps too when guys get banged up because you're you're playing guys at different spots, but they can still fill in that role without there being a drop off. So again, you, you got to like the depth in the in the defensive backfield going into 2024. Chaz Climb asked, "What is Coach Prime doing to address the kicking game, particularly kickoffs and long field goals?" Well, as as long as Jace Feely is still on the roster, I mean, you're not going to have more than two scholarship kickers. So it's either right. a walk on stepping up into that role, or um, I am curious to ask Coach Prime about that and. It won't be the next time we talk to him, which is going to be the early signing period, February 7th. We're going to be, if I'm lucky, I'll get two questions to ask, and I'm just not going to talk about the kicking game. But as soon as we get into spring ball, I'm curious to see what he has to say about that, because that was one of the issues that they have to fix. Uh, Was Feely uh, dealing with some type of injury or was a mental block? Because he certainly got the leg strength to do that job, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't uh, being done consistently this past year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, and I, I'm wondering too if that's one of those those things they look at in, in terms of staff in the off season too, because you didn't really have a, you know, I guess you had special teams by committee and you had an analyst role who was kind of functioning as the special teams coordinator, um, and and not really, you know, I think the the kickers, and and this is the case in a lot of programs, but the kickers were left out there to kind of fix themselves and to to do their own thing. So um so I think there's a lot of questions. We'll see what what kind of happens as they go through their individual, you know, off-season stuff and get back with their kicking coaches and how they come back in the spring. Um on that, but my 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 answer to the question and what he does to fix it is I don't think he does anything. I think it's it's one of those things that he has you know, he's got the faith that he has in Mata. Um I think he likes the the strength and Feely's leg of Feely's right, uh, whatever that means, whether it's physical or mental on that. And and so I think he sends them back to do their thing in, in the off season and, and get with their, with their teams um, and, and trust that they're going to be what he needs them to be when they get back to camp. Buck and Fuffalo asked, is the QB room set for 2024? 
Is there a chance the 2025 starter is currently on the team? And along those lines, Peak View Buff asked, take a wild guess and we won't hold you to it. The starting quarterback in 2015, who will it be? In 2025? 2025, yeah. Um, let's start, though, with uh, is the quarterback room set for 2024? I, I, I would think so at this point. You brought in two transfers there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's set. And, and honestly, I think it's – I think it's as – as deep a a quarterback room, you know, in terms of of quality that CU's had in in recent memory, um, seems like that's always that. Not only have they had a hard time identifying and bringing in, you know, the high level elite quarterback that that's going to be your guy, but they've had a hard time bringing in quality, uh, bringing in and keeping quality backup depth. So. With these transfers coming in, I think you got to like the talent. They've got uh, you've got some experience there, uh, and then you've also you know you, you've got um, you've got guys that uh, that were recruited. You're not you're not full of walk-ons in that room. So um, I think they're set. I, I like what they've got going into 2024. Um, in terms of, of 2025. Is that starter on the team, and and who do we think it is? Um, my guess is that that starter is on the team, but they're not going to. I don't think Prime's going to just ride with that. Um, I, I think that he's going to look to add that twenty twenty five elite quarterback. Still, um, you know, Underwood just. Uh, just made his commitment to LSU, but that's you know that's a long way off, and you've got to look at the fact that 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 may still be in play. But even without that, um, you know, I think that that looking at uh, um, who help me out, who is the other quarterback? Antoine, Destin Wade, Walter Taylor, and and Stop. No, the the other one they're recruiting, Anton Hill. Yeah, yeah. You know, AJ I Hill, think yeah. he's he's still in play. I think he's a viability. I if, even in the last you know week or two, I've seen other twenty five recruits tagging him on some mm-hmm. you know some tweets with the you know CU question mark eyeballs all that kind of stuff. Like, is that the move? So I think he's still in play, and and uh, you know I think they're still looking at their their next elite quarterback behind Shadur and still trying to bring him, uh, bring him into the room and, and aren't just going to settle on, on what they've got. So that 25 starter may be in the room. Um, but my guess is maybe the 2025 finisher, um, is not on the roster yet. Yeah. I mean, this can obviously go a lot of different ways. Um, and a lot of that depends on what Destin Wade and Walter Taylor show you. Are right. they uh, solid this spring and, and do they show uh, a high ceiling? Um, if you bring in an Antoine Hill, you, you're probably doing that with the condition that he gets to come in and compete for the starting job from the jump. And and that was a question asked by VA Buff if CU still a serious uh, contender for Antoine Hill and uh, everything that I've heard leads me to believe, yes, they, they are. And um, his decommitment wasn't uh, I don't like CU. It was, well, I was planning to reclassify and now that I'm not, and I'm going to stay in the 2025 class, I've got a long time to figure this out. I don't need to have this decision made right. already. It wasn't a, 
I don't like see you anymore situation. So um, certainly there, there's a possibility to get him. If you don't get, uh, you know, a Bryce Underwood on a flip or an Antoine Hill or another elite quarterback, then I think what you do is you go into the transfer portal next year and you're going to be a really attractive option because you're going to have a lot of talent at other places on the roster. And unless Destin Wade and Walter Taylor have done something to establish themselves as the heir apparent, you're a real attractive place for a transfer quarterback. So um, there, I, I think it's one of those things where you really can't predict it. But if you put a gun to my head and said, is the quarterback starter in 2025 on the roster? I would probably guess no right now. I think would be my guess. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it right on that. Um, I think the only the only way that he's on the roster again is if is if you bring in an elite quarterback for that class who's going to ha- who you're going to give the the ability to compete, um, and that's that's part of what what you're promising. And if for whatever reason he's not ready to be the opening day starter, then maybe that that starter's already on the roster. But I said maybe not the finisher. If you don't land an elite quarterback, it's it's definitely going to be somebody you bring in through the transfer portal. I don't think I don't think you're counting on any of the three guys, um, you know, that are the, the three guys that are in the room being that guy. With the caveat that you know. Knock on wood, if something were to happen to to Shadour this upcoming season, and one of those guys gets a lot of playing time and and you know really explodes on the scene, then that changes everything. But um, I, I kind of see quarterback, you know, recruiting not only at CU but in general, kind of turning into you know unless you've got to add depth to a room, there's not a lot of um, you don't have time to develop quarterbacks and there's not a lot of benefit to bringing in guys that are just, um, you know, going to be your backup practice squad guys and filling out a, you know, a roster, uh, a room for the roster. I think that you're going to be looking at targeting those, you know, top six guys that, that fit your scheme from a quarterback perspective and looking for that elite high school talent. And if you don't land that, then your, um, you know, your quarterback room is going to be, is going to be built out of the transfer portal. And before we close out on this topic and get to our last question, I'm realizing we're probably discounting Ryan stop too much. Um, It's just hard until we know what kind of scheme they're going to be running going forward. And uh, I don't want to discount him too much because I did like what we saw from him in that Utah game in his first start. But um, again, it, it's just hard to know is, is his long-term future in Colorado or is he going to go somewhere else where it maybe feels a better scheme fit in a different offense? It, it's hard to say. Dude, we were never better asked how realistic is it for CU for the CU fan base to expect CU football to be better than the likes of Oklahoma state. Gundy is seemingly a perennial top 20 team with the expected recruiting classes stacked one after another for multiple years and the size and talent and depth that goes with it, do we have our gold-colored glasses on? I'm more worried about Utah. I don't know about you. I mean, Oklahoma State definitely has had a lot of uh, success under Mike Gundy, but uh, uh, I think Utah, with their Polynesian pipeline and, and just being so solid in the trenches year after year, uh, that's the program that's harder to replicate. As long as Coach Prime is in Boulder, um, 
I don't think it's a case of having gold colored glasses on. Uh, it would be a, what a case of having blenders on, <laughs> yeah. but I think CU can replicate Oklahoma state just fine with coach prime. But um, yeah, it's the, it's the trenches year after year that you're just going to have to really do a good job of bringing in talent through the portal to, to be able to stack up with, with the youths. What, what, what are your thoughts uh, on, on this question, Sean? No, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Utah's, you know, Utah has built the, you know, has built such a, a strong program. And as long as Whittingham is, is there, um, and maybe after he's gone, you know, it's going to continue just to ride with the pipelines they've got. They've, they've become a premier destination for, you know, for transfer talent and, and they get a lot of good, you know, high school talent. So, um, Oklahoma State, yeah, I mean that, you know, they, I think they're kind of at that next level, kind of maybe a, a half a step uh, below Utah, and and you know, even even with the uh, the way too early twenty twenty four rankings or whatever the ESPN did that came out yesterday or this morning, um, both of those teams are are, are in that top twenty five. I think you know Oklahoma State's somewhere around fifteen um, on there, but that's you know that's a program that's just been really built on uh on putting a team together they they don't ever recruit at the top of the country they just recruit solidly um you know kind of to the level that uh you know that maybe CU is now recruiting but you're you're looking at building your programs a little differently as well or you're building one program while you're maintaining another one so um good team they don't you know they don't threaten me they don't scare me i still think that that or that utah is the team to overcome um and i'm curious to see what happens with arizona um you know and and what fish has done there he's uh you know he's starting to bring in some some really good talent he's had some good classes he's had some good transfer uh classes and what happens with being able to to build a team and keep the keep it relevant um, in Tucson, and and you know, and is that a place that Fish stays beyond you know what he's done? I kind of feel like this year was for Arizona was a little bit like TCU last year, where you, you caught some lightning in a bottle, a lot of things went right. Um, their ability to continue to plug and play uh, quarterbacks that you know, that come out of nowhere and become really effective uh, players that, that, you know, that just skill teams is, is incredible. Um, you know, if we could have half of that quarterback luck uh, at CU, we, we'd be, we'd be doing all right. But uh, that's kind of where I see things laying out. And I think, you know, the rest of the big 12 is, I think it's a very, a very middle heavy conference. Um going into to next year so i think that you know you probably have six teams that feel like they've got a real legitimate chance to win the conference next year on some level it's going to kind of feel like some of the pac-12 seasons where there's going to be a lot of cannibalizing of uh, yeah. uh, teams within the, the big 12 yeah it, if you told me two years ago that colorado's move into the big 12 wouldn't so would have surprised me i mean the the, the pac-12 has been a mess basically since colorado joined the conference but had you told me that Arizona and Kansas were going to be a couple of the, the you know, the, the top pick teams in the Big 12 in 2024, that that would have surprised me a little bit. <laughs> and, and Kansas is a program 
as long as uh, they, they keep things moving in the direction they have the last few years is going to be a, a contender as well. So uh, it's, yeah, there's going to be a lot of parody in the conference. It should make for a lot of fun Saturdays, but again, uh, in the old model, it would have just completely ruined your chances of getting in the playoff. Now you've got a 12 team playoff and you've still got that, that uh, greater chance to get in. So uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be going out to Orlando for the uh, first time covering that they go to Kansas as well. They go to Lubbock. So they're, it's not going to be the, the fancy road trips that we're used to in the pack 12, but I'm looking forward to it. We talked about that in, in our season wrap up pod, but uh, new is, is exciting. And, and I'm, I'm going to kind of ride that, that high of excitement as they join the new conference. No, absolutely. And, and I, you know, I, I'm hoping to get out. I love Lawrence. So I'm hoping to get out to, to Kansas um this season i've had i probably will end up doing more road games this year than i have in the past just because they're more accessible but i i anticipate that i'll probably end up um in lubbock for the for the texas tech game just because so much of my work i I spend a lot of time in west texas so i can kind of kill two birds with one stone um you know with that and uh uh, you know, we'll see be, beyond that. Uh, Oklahoma State's a possibility too, uh, and uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's you know I I think that you're you are going to have that cannibalism probably in the conference, but it also sets up that um, you know if if you can really put um, some solid classes together and I'm not just talking, you know, high school classes, but overall recruiting classes together. Um, that, that it's, you know, the, the conference is kind of set up for any team and, and why not that be Colorado to, to really, uh, you know, kind of become the, the dominant player in that conference and let everybody else feed on each other because you're not, you know, you don't have anybody that's that's really at any sort of a, a blue blood caliber um, inside that conference. So I think you're going to have a lot of of teams that you know that that are eight win teams, maybe nine win teams. And and if you can if you can figure out how to put yourself consistently above that, you've got a, the ability to kind of be the cream of the crop in that conference. Well, Sean, we got a lot of questions today. We tried to answer them as best we could, but it even within our answers provided more questions uh, that we have about this this roster uh, as we look ahead to spring ball. Sean, we've gone well over an hour. This is a marathon, not a spring sprint. We got a long off season to get through, but uh, it was great to get your insights and hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely, anytime. All right, and thanks everybody out there for tuning in.